Two Geeks, Two Beers podcast. Nerdy obsessions, drunken ramblings with Morgan Jeffrey and Tom Eames. I am Hercule Poirot. Yes, mother. Oh, you're not a bit how I thought you'd be. Hello and welcome to episode 98 of Two Geeks, Two Beers. I'm Inspector Tom. And with me today, he's going to be my Hastings, if you will. It's Morgan. Inspector Tom sounds like a nickname someone would give their penis. I'm just <laughs> just throwing that out there. That's right. Today, I'm going on a mini history lesson about one of fiction's most iconic sleuths. Uh, potentially only second to Sherlock Holmes, I'd say. And regular listeners might remember that uh, the running joke that I can't say his name properly. Yeah, I, when you when you told me what the subject of this episode was going to be, mm. I, I did think it was a bold choice, given that I and long-time listeners will, will know that you, you, have, you have struggled with, with Hercule <laughs> in, the, in, in the past, with, with Agatha Christie's uh, mustachioed Belgian detective. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm doing, for some reason I thought it was a good idea to do a whole episode where I try and fail to uh, say the name of Agatha Christie's Hercule Poirot. Is that it? Poirot. Yeah, yeah that, that is it. But it's it just, it sounds like it, it's taken a lot of effort. For you to, it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. It's, not well, that. it's similar to when I have to say my own name because... Can't, can't say your own name. Well, when I go and sign in in places, because mm. um, I say Tom Eames, mm. so many places think I'm saying Tommy. <laughs> right. So I've had a thing where I've signed in and I go... Uh, oh, hi, I'm here to see blah, blah, blah. Go, oh, yeah, what's your name? Uh, Tom Eames. Okay. They call up and go, hi, I've got a Tommy here for you. And by that point, it's too late. I can't now go, oh, no. no. So they thought I was being such a diva and demanding that I'd be called Tommy as a one like Madonna or something. And it's say, so, I have to, so I have to go, Tom Eames. Or, or, or like, you're called like Tommy Eames. Yeah. Tommy Eames. <laughs> I get that. And um, written down, I get Earns a lot. Earns. Tom, yeah. Tom Earns. I was saying Tom Earns. <laughs> I was saying balloons. So, I'll be doing a little background about the character in general, uh, but you're probably thinking, does this count as geek culture? Well, I'd argue, uh, when you see just how many actors have played him on screen, absolutely yes. I'd, I'd argue it's our podcast, we'll do what we want. <laughs> and uh, we've not, not, not got a, a large enough uh, listenership that we have to worry about disappointing our, our fan base. Shush, don't tell them. <laughs> um, there's no point in doing a ranking of the Poirots because David Suchet is obviously going to win. Suchet would win. Um, so instead, let's just look at the history of Poirot on screen and where he came. Poirot? I, yeah, it is. It is. But again, <laughs> you're getting it right, but it's the way you're like, you're like, you're like, po- po- Poirot? 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 I can hear the cogs turning every time you say it. It's like, um, like you know it's coming up and, and, and you're a little bit scared. That's just my life in general. <laughs> um, so anyway, coming up, how a Spider-Man villain once played the Belgian detective. Yeah. How Peter Ustinov didn't give a shit about what Agatha Christie's children thought about him, and how Christie herself couldn't stand the character, couldn't stand him. When and like very quickly, my brain went Agatha Christie, but when you said Christie, I was like, who's, who's Christie? Linford Christie? Or no, just some girl called Christie. Oh. He's like, you know, I'm Christie Williams, and I'm Poirot's biggest fan. <laughs> okay, so what are your? Do you have much memories of Poirot? Do I have much memories of Poirot? <laughs> I. <laughs> Uh, do you know what? Like, I I had a book when I was a kid, and it was something. It was it was part of like a series, a collection, mm. and each one was like one was like 
pirates and had about famous pirates. Another one was like spies and had about famous spies like James Bond. And one of them was detectives and had about Sherlock Holmes and Hercule Poirot. Mm. And until I miss Marple, and until then I'd never really heard of him. And it, do you know it's something I've never, never massively got into. Uh, yeah. Never watched a full episode, even though I was like, well, clearly Suchet is the best. Like I'm not going to go against popular opinion. Never watched a full episode. No. I don't think, or maybe one. Of of David Suchet's Poirot, never seen any Ustinov. Well, I'm glad we're doing uh, this episode. <laughs> never, never, never watched uh, uh, Murder on the Orient Express with with Finney. Yeah, um, I wouldn't. Was st- stayed away from Branagh. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, no, no. So so okay. It's going to be a, a, a Poirot odyssey yeah. for me. Yeah, I'm going to learn his Poirot origins. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for me, my so I grew up. My my mum in particular, but my parents, but my mum in particular, love, uh, you know, a TV crime drama. Mm. Um, they particularly like watching ITV3. So if you're in Britain, yeah. ITV3 is kind of like the home of repeats of old British um, crime dramas. Yeah. Um, so I'd, whenever I go home, um, the telly's normally on and it's normally just on ITV3. Yeah. And it's normally Poirot followed by, I don't know... Heartbeat. Yeah, Death in Paradise, <laughs> oh. that kind of stuff. And it's great. It's it's a channel. Lewis, that, that sort of yeah. thing. Inspector Moore. It's a channel that, again, my gran, it, it very much appeals yeah. to a very particular yeah. um, age range and yeah. sort of fan base. And my gran would just sort of have the TV on all the yeah. time yeah. when I would visit it, not really be watching oh, it, but it was always ITV3, yeah, yeah, yeah. usually an old an old Poirot yeah. or, a, or a Heartbeat on. Yeah. And at the time, when I was a little bit younger, I was like, this is boring. Now I sort of think, is it the greatest channel ever, ever made? It's just, it's just repeats of like old. Uh, you coined a term a few years ago, Tom, yeah. which is uh, the laid back treat. Yeah, um, which <laughs> like is a Sunday laid back treat. Which is like, look, we don't always want prestige TV that's going to mm. like challenge us. We no. just want, I just want to kick back yeah. and watch a lovely bit of Poirot, yeah. please. Yeah. And it did morph into shows like Pole Dark and things like that. But you know, it's you know the Durrells. Oh yeah, the Durrells and yeah, but no, but like I feel but, like yeah, crime dramas. I feel like those yeah. those crime, midsummer murders. That's yeah. the ultimate. Yeah. I feel like crime dramas that aren't too harrowing, yeah. aren't too like graphic, yeah. and they're just like yeah, they're just like a little cozy, like being yeah. wrapped up in a in a little blanket with with David Suchet. <laughs> yeah, and Poirot is very much one of them. And it, to this day, I'll go home and um, it would always be on, and I get particularly annoyed because. I'm used to having a certain standard of television in my house. Mm. I don't mean the, the programs. I mean the, the set. Qu- so I want, I want HD. Yeah. And I want to be able to pause and fast forward telly. Right. right? I'm used right. to doing that. So yeah. when I go home, they don't have that. No. It's so it's it's like watching it on a potato because it's an old show from the 90s or the 80s. <laughs> yeah. And it's not on the HD version. SD, yeah. So it looks shit. And I can't fast forward, so I have to watch all of the adverts all of the time, and it drives me na- mad because I'm not used to it. Um, but anyway, that's my experience with that. And Poirot, uh, it started off the ITV version, which we'll get onto. It started off a bit more fun and a bit more laid back. And, yeah, and japes. Whereas in later years, it got a bit serious, not in a bad way, but it, it took it took it more took seriously. So I think if you're going to watch Poirot on ITV three, it's probably the earlier years. Mm. You're not going to see like the later ones where mm. it'll get a bit. That dark. that was the, that was just then. You might you might want to rewind and listen. That was the first instance where Tom totally mangled Poirot. I think, I think <laughs> did you, I? I think you called him like Poirot. Poirot. Yeah, he was like, if you go back and watch Poirot, <laughs> um, I feel like there's going to be instances of these. Throughout I where, end up calling him Popeye. Yeah, you're going to just call him like Poirot and uh, Imperio and. Um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. 
Well, in case you didn't know then, Hercule Poirot is a fictional <laughs> Belgian detective created by British writer Agatha Christie. And one thing, and I've probably made this up, but I feel like ITV would always, because there'd always be like a Poirot special. Yeah. Now I'm catching myself how I say <laughs> it, every couple of years, and uh, they would advertise it. And I feel like they would always advertise it in the same way. And I've probably like made this up or like you, my, my brain has exaggerated it over time. But I'm sure I remember that it would always be like the voiceover guy being like, oh, David Suchet is back as everyone's favourite French detective. And then <laughs> yeah. it would cut to a clip of him going, I'm not French, I'm Belgian. And it would be like that, ev- but every time, every single time. And it's like... <laughs> I don't know if that's a false memory, but I'll try and find that clip. I hope that's true. And like someone at ITV's like, Poirot's back, what's the promotional campaign? We're going to do that thing where the voiceover guy mistakes him for a Frenchman and then we cut to a, a relevant clip where Poirot tells someone that he yeah. is in fact not French, well, he is Belgian. Poirot loves uh, correcting people and... Talking about go. himself in the first person. First person or third person? <laughs> Which one's the one where you're talking, you say your name out loud? So t- Tom is happy right now. That, that you're talking about yourself in the third, third person. Third person. Right. Okay. Yeah. I always forget those. Yeah. Good to know. Anyway, so uh, Poirot is one of Christie's most famous and long running characters, appearing in 33 novels, two plays, and more than 50 short stories published between 1920 and 1975. Nearly 50 years later, he's still. Going strong, and maybe you'll get onto this, but that's quite a, that's like a fifty-year yeah. period, right? So, did he did he stay though in his own time period, like you know, like like a like a fly in amber, or or by the end was he like in the seventies wearing flares? Do you know what? what? I should have researched that. <laughs> Um, I don't think so. I think it's still in the olden days. Right. Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't think it, it'd yeah. be great if it did go into the yeah, flares and why, disco wh- and why, punk and shit. Why is why is punk? <laughs> <laughs> what is this, Sid Vicious? <laughs> why is why why has no one ever done like Sherlock, yeah. the TV show, Poirot, but in the modern day? Yeah, why not? And you can have like a hipster mustache. What about Poirot in the 27th century, whatever it's called? <laughs> Poirot in the 22nd century. Yeah. <laughs> Bring Hercule Poirot back to life. He's like, uh, what do you do? Why have you voted Brexit? Like, uh. So, uh, Poirot's name was derived from two other fictional detectives of the time. Lazy. Uh, Marie Belloc Lounders' uh, Hercule Popow and Frank Howell Evans' Monsieur Poiret. Or I, would, Poiret. I just want to make clear that neither of those were Tom getting Poirot wrong. <laughs> no, that's, that's, yeah. Pop, pop. I've probably still got them wrong. What was the but, first one, Hercule? Uh, Hercule Popow. Pop, Popow? Yeah. All right. And uh, Monsieur Poiret, a retired Belgian police officer living in London. Those are those are very similar. I know. Did no one, no one sue Christie? Uh, they didn't have that sort of problem back then. It was fine. Uh, but a more obvious inf- influence on the early Poirot stories is that of... Arthur Conan Doyle. So in an autobiography, Christie said, uh, I was still writing in the Sherlock Holmes tradition, eccentric detective, stooge assistant with a Lestrade-type Scotland Yard detective, Inspector Jap. So for his part, Conan Doyle acknowledged basing his detective series stories on the model of Edgar Allan Poe's C. August Dupin. Mm. So uh, it just, no one, nothing's original. Everything's copied off uh, everything else. Well, Poe, he came up with it. Doesn't get any of the credit for it. <laughs> nah. I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's a complicated character, certainly. But um, yeah, no, no one remembers Dupin. But I'd say ever since, uh, pretty much all TV detective dramas have sort of, you know, they, they copy that main detective and their sidekick hook. Yeah. Started in Sherlock Holmes, then Poirot, you know, and they get, you know, Morse, Jonathan Creek, whatever you want to, you know, it's, it's the same 
Same formula. Same formula. No, it just works wonders. Uh, Poirot also bears a striking resemblance to A.E.W. Mason's fictional detective, Inspector Hanaud, or Hanau, I'm not going to say these names right, who first appeared in the 1910 novel At the Villa Rose and predates the first Poirot novel by 10 years. So Chris, Christie's Poirot was clearly the result, says here, of her of her early development of the detective in her first book, written in 1916 and published in 1920. In here, Belgium's occupation of by Germany during World War One provided a plausible explanation of why such a skilled detective would be available to solve mysteries at an English country house. At the time of Christie's writing, it was considered patriotic to express sympathy towards the Belgians, uh, since the invasion of their country had constituted Britain's justification for entering World War One. Again, again, this is... If you've just tuned in, this is broadly a comedy podcast. <laughs> no, you're learning stuff as well. <laughs> educational. Yeah. It was always meant to be educational as well. Yeah, so she, I think she picked Belgium because we felt an affinity right. to the Belgians right. at the time. So Poirot first appeared in The Mysterious Affair at Styles, published in 1920, and he finished in Curtin, published in 1975. Following the latter, Poirot was the only fictional character to receive an obituary in the front page of the New York Times. I did. I, weirdly, I did know that. <laughs> like, I don't know much about Poirot, but that I did know. Uh, by 1930, so only 10 years into it, uh, Agatha Christie found Poirot insufferable. <laughs> Uh, and by 1960, she felt that he was a detestable, bombastic, tiresome, egocentric little creep. <laughs> wow. I mean, again, though, this is this happens. So uh, Conan Doyle got bored of Sherlock Holmes, yeah. tried to kill him off in uh, in The Final Problem. Ian Fleming try, tried to kill off James Bond in yeah. uh, in From Russia With Love. And then the publishers, publisher just went, nah. For <laughs> and they're like, do, what don't you like? And like, this character, what do you like? Money. Write us some more, please. Come on, Ags. Get back on it. Uh, but yeah, the public loved him and Christie refused to kill him off because of that, claiming that it was her duty to produce what the public liked. So, yeah, as you, as you say. In terms of what he is like, uh, the character Captain Arthur Hastings' first description of Poirot in the book says this. Uh, he was hardly more than five feet four inches but carried himself with great dignity oh there we go now now we've reached the root of why Tom wanted to do a Poirot episode <laughs> so I am taller than Poirot at least but I love that he, he might have only been five feet four but you know he had dignity oh fuck you he's a great detective he'll be as short as he likes his head was the, exactly the shape of an egg and he always perched it a little on one side his moustache was very stiff and military even if everything on his face was covered the tips of moustache and the pink tipped nose would be visible the neatness of his attire was almost incredible I believe a speck of dust would have caused him more pain than a bullet wound yet this quaint dandified little man who I was sorry to see now limped badly had been in his time one of the most celebrated members of the Belgian police now the limp I think sort of disappeared in time I think they, they wrote the limp in and then just went ah, no one remember <laughs> fine but yeah um really really went long on his uh his shortness there <laughs> long he went long on the short is what he did <laughs> um in the mysterious affair at styles poirot operates as a fairly conventional clue-based and logical detective reflected in his vocabulary by two common phrases his use of the little gray cells the little gray cells yeah, yeah. and order and method uh, Hastings is irritated by the fact that Poirot sometimes conceals important details of his plans. Um, in the Big Four novel, Hastings is kept in the dark throughout their climax. This aspect of Poirot is less evident in the later novels, partly because there is rarely a narrator to mislead. So I feel like he purposely used Hastings to kind of I mean, fuck him over you a little do, bit. You don't want to be kept in the dark throughout the climax. <laughs> that, can be, that can be messy. We have been there. <laughs> Not together. Not together. <laughs> 
Uh, Poirot focuses on getting people to talk. In the early novels, he casts himself in the role of Papa Poirot, it says here. A benign... Sorry, sorry, the, 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 the what? The what? Papa Poirot. Okay. Yeah, good. A benign, a benign confessor, especially to young women, it says here. In later works, Christie made a point of having Poirot supply false or misleading information about himself or his background to assist him in obtaining information. Uh, it says here, in the murder of Roger Ackroyd, Poirot speaks of a non-existent mentally disabled nephew to uncover information about homes for the mentally unfit. <laughs> Uh, in Dumb Witness Poirot invents an elderly invalid mother as a pretense to investigate local nurses and in the big four Poirot pretends to have and poses as an identical twin brother named Achille did I ever tell you about my, my dad used to do that what did he do? Pretend that he was his own twin brother. Really? What did yeah. you get out of things? Yeah, you know, yeah, so there was like there was a guy who he who he sort of knew but didn't like. And so and so when he would when he would see this guy, like he'd be walking through town and he'd run into him and this guy would be like, Oh Ni- Nigel, good to see you. And he'd be like, Who are you? And he'd be like, Nigel, it's it's me. And he'd be like, I'm Dennis, and then and this guy invented Dennis, and, and, and he eventually and the guy was like, Nah, come on, and he, but he stuck to it, and he, my dad, like, convinced this guy that he that he yeah he had a, a twin brother, and, and and years, decades later, it, like my dad would run into this guy, and then he would be like, Oh, how tend to be Dennis? Well, no, no, but he, by, by that point, my dad had long since like forgotten about the roots, oh, no. but then the guy would be like, How's Dennis? And he'd be like, Oh yeah, he's you know he's, he's great, still still definitely looks like me, and still definitely exists. <laughs> Wow. Um, I'd love to have a twin brother. Uh, just, well, at least pretend to have a twin brother. You just get up to all sorts of japes. <laughs> like parent, parent trap situation. Yeah. Um, so Poirot is also willing to appear more foreign or vain in an effort to make people underestimate him. He admits as much here. He says, it is true. Uh, I, I should give you this so you can read it. Okay. In your French. Hang on. I'll copy it over. Oh, Christ. All right. Here we go. It is true that I can speak the exact the idiomatic English, but my friend, to speak the broken English is an enormous asset. Enormous asset. Um, It leads people to despise you. They say, a foreigner, he can't even speak English properly. Also, I boast, an Englishman, he says often, a fellow who thinks as much of himself as that cannot be worth much. And so you see, I put people off their guard. How was Very that? How was that? that was yeah. fine. Yeah, all, yeah I've no, I, I've no idea where that accent originated from. <laughs> I don't think it was either France or Belgium, and I, I apologise to just all of Europe, really. <laughs> just you know, cover cover the cover all ground. Um, and he also, as we said before, has a tendency to refer to himself in the third person. The, so. th- the third person. Yeah. Time, Mademoiselle. Time is all that is required by Poirot. Why do you insist on referring to yourself in the third person? It is intensely irritating. Because, Dr. Lutz, it helps Poirot achieve a healthy distance from his genius. The third kind. What's the second person? Yeah. So, like, the first person is like... Yeah, what is the second person? I, I don't... I don't... I, I don't know. Yeah. Never, no one talks about it, anyway. <laughs> Can't be important. <laughs> Wouldn't worry about it. It doesn't come up. So, in terms of his background and career, Christie was purposely vague about Poirot's origins, as he is thought to be an elderly man, even in the early novels. In an autobiography, she admitted that she already imagined him to be an old man in 1920. At the time, however, she had no idea she would write works featuring him for decades to come. So, is it like a Simpsons situation? Like he doesn't he doesn't age I think so, again? Yeah. So he's not like a hundred by the time he's no. there. He's not again. He's not in the 1970s. He's not a Sex Pistols gig. No, <laughs> aged aged a hundred. Sadly not. 
So a former policeman during World War I, Poirot left Belgium for England as a refugee, although he returned a few times. And in 1916, he met up with his lifelong friend, Captain Arthur Hastings, and solved the first of his cases to be published, The Mysterious Affair at Styles. It's clear that Hastings and Poirot are already friends when they meet in chapter two of the novel, as Hastings tells Cynthia that he has not seen him for some years. So Hastings is like... Yeah, the what well, the, the the Watson, yeah, the Watson, the uh, the Lewis to his Morse, all that kind of thing. Uh, after one case, Poirot apparently came to the attention of the British Secret Service and undertook cases for the British government, including foiling the attempted abduction of the Prime Minister. Readers were told that the British authorities had learned of Poirot's keen investigative ability from certain members of Belgium's royal family. So, so, so one he took on one case. How big was this case? Was that, su- such a well, the prime minister was. Yeah. No, but prior to that, the case, oh. the case at Styles was was such a it big. Was, it was such a big hit, such a big deal. Then only with a with a Belgian royal family, which to be honest, I didn't even know Belgium had a royal family. They were like, "This is this is fucking impressive." And then they were like, "Let's get on to the secret service." And then they and then the secret service I, after one one case one case one case mm. okay. Uh, and then after the war Poirot became a private detective and began undertaking civilian cases he moved into what became his home and work address flat 203 at 56B Whitehaven Mansions just so you know so Hastings a former British uh, army officer who first meets Poirot during Poirot's years as a police officer in Belgium and almost immediately after they both arrive in England he becomes Poirot's lifelong friend and appears in many cases Poirot regards Hastings as a poor private detective not particularly intelligent yet helpful in his way of being fooled by the criminal or seeing things the way the average man would see them and for his tendency to unknowingly stumble onto the truth. The thing, Hastings? Do you think Poirot concerns himself with mere thingness? I know. No. Uh, as a loyal, albeit somewhat naive companion, Hastings is to Poirot what Watson is to Sherlock Holmes. So, like, the, the capable thing that we said about Watson. I, I like that you said all of that, unblinking, looking me dead in the eye, having, at the, at the start of this episode, described me as the Hastings to your Poirot. <laughs> so thanks for that. You really are an Inspector Tom. You're a massive Inspector Tom. <laughs> and then you have Poirot's secretary, Miss Felicity Lemon, um, who... Uh, the only uh, says here the only mistake she makes within the series this is the book series anyway are a typing error during the events of Hickory Dickory Dock and the misspelling <laughs> of an electrical what, what, bill. What, 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 what did she misspell it as? <laughs> Hickory Dockery, yeah. <laughs> Poro described Miss Lemon as being unbelievably ugly and incredibly efficient. <laughs> anything that she mentioned as worth consideration usually was worth consideration. She was like, yeah, so she is clever, she is worth it, but she's fucking ugly. Why? Why does what? that matter? <laughs> but also, why is anyone friends with Poirot? Yeah. What a dick. He is, he is a Hickory dick. Dockery. See why Christy lo- hated him. <laughs> Hickory Dockery dick. Yeah. He really is. Like, like he's like, oh, this is why I keep you around. This is why I keep you around. Why does one keep you around, Hercule? <laughs> I know he's like such a good detective that he like, the royal family and the Secret Service love him. If I was Hastings or Lemon, I'd be like, <laughs> we can, you know, we can, we can do this ourselves. We don't need you, little shit. You won't forget your dental appointment at 11, will you, Mr. Poirot? Hercule Poirot does not need to go to the dentist, Miss Lemon. And then you've got Chief Inspector Jap, mm. uh, Scotland Yard Inspector, and appears in many of the stories trying to solve cases that Poirot is working on. Um, so he's like, who's the equivalent in Sherlock? Lestrade. That's the one. Or Gregson. Uh, that's the one. So, Poirot portrayals. That's portrayals, not betrayals, as it sounded like I just is said. It, Poirot, Poirot. Portrayals. Poirot portrayals. Yeah. Okay, poor poor trails. Yeah, so let's let's go through a history of uh, Poirot on screen. There you go. So uh, the first portrayal of Poirot was by Poirot. Poirot. That was Charles Poirot. Charles Lawton in a 1928 stage production. Who, who's who's the guy from Car- the Carry On movies? 
Charles Horton. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not, not, him, not, not him. him. No. Uh, this was an adaptation of Christie's novel, The Murder of Roger Ackroyd. And then Austin Trevor was the first actor to play Poirot on screen, making his debut in Alibi in 1931. He went on to play Poirot in Black Coffee in the same year, and then Lord Edward died in 1934. He stated that he only got the Poirot role because he could speak with a French accent. <laughs> not, not a Belgian accent. No. They were, they were like, it's close enough. You get so, the part. So let's have a little burst of early Poirot. Decido, yes. I am familiar, of course, with your name. Mm-hmm. I understand you've come to see me on behalf of my wife. That is so. Lady Adria consulted me and... Uh, uh, she, uh, she, she wants a divorce. I'm quite aware of that. Her suggestion was that we should discuss the matter. There's nothing to discuss. <laughs> it's not the best accent. Th- this was the... This was the not even a Belgian Certainly accent. Not. This was the French accent what? that got him the role, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's not even got a moustache. He doesn't have a tash. And he's he's enormous. I understand your astonishment, Monsieur Poirot. You mean you are willing to divorce your wife? Certainly. (laughs) She knows that perfectly well. (laughs) The boy's She she wrote me six months ago, urging the point. I have an idea she wanted to marry again. Some film actor, I believe. I wrote her at Hollywood telling her I was willing. You wrote and told her? (laughs) She never said anything about that, Poirot. Nevertheless, I did. (laughs) Six months ago. That guy was doing a bad French accent. Yeah. He was about six foot three, <laughs> didn't have a mustache, was weirdly stood next to a bloke who looked like Poirot. The guy, the guy, <laughs> yeah, the other guy. His the Hastings, which I assume that his was. His Hastings yeah. was, was, a, was a short, balding man with a mustache. <laughs> did, they, did they just... Met, and they were like, yeah, we cast, yeah, he can we do cast an them, accent, but he, can't, he can do the accent. Make him switch. Just yeah, make him, ah, but he just, looks nothing like Poirot. Nah, don't worry Doesn't, about no one even knows who that is. It's 1934. Don't worry about it. <laughs> So, uh, 1939 saw the first American adaptation of Poirot, the merger of <laughs> the murder of Roger Ackroyd the, again. The, mer- the merger of the Roger Ackroyd, which, which is where you know he's just really into A and M acquisition and mergers. It yeah. was uh, a one-hour radio play, a radio Ra- play. radio play. <laughs> uh, if you know, you know. <laughs> Uh, which saw Orson Welles play Poirot. Orson uh, Welles. Yeah. So was he Was he probably like, I'm Hercule Poirot. <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> exactly. And ladies and gentlemen, before we begin, I think you'd like to know that we have with us in the studio tonight, as a surprise visitor, <clears throat> none other than the celebrated Belgian detective, Mr. Hercule Poirot. <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, I bid you good evening. Uh, if we had time, which we have not, I'm sure nothing would please us more than to hear from Mr. Poirot. Unfortunately... Why unfortunately when we have here a microphone? But, Mr. Poirot, you, you don't understand... I that... understand only that since my arrival in your country some weeks ago, I observed that there is circulate an impression of my person which I must now publicly refute. I trust that the embarrassment of my presence here tonight in Mr. Wells' studio will ensure from him an honest and lifelike portrait. It has been said that I am a little man. Regard for yourself that this is not so. I have five feet two inches of high. My head is perhaps egg-shaped, and I carry it perhaps a little to one side, the left, but my eyes shine green when I am excited. Beyond this, my moustache are the largest in Europe, and my forces in my brain and not in my feet. If these things are made clear, and Mr. Wells is a little tribute to Hercule Poirot, I will be satisfied. The results of my little gray cells will speak for themselves. If you will show me where I am to sit, please. I thank you. Uh, so there were quite a lot of radio adaptations of Poirot over the next 30-plus years in a couple of TV versions, but it wasn't really until 1974 that saw quite the game-changing year uh, for Agatha Christie's screen adaptations. So here you had Albert Finney depicting Hercule Poirot in Murder on the Orient Express. And he was actually somehow 
nominated for the Best Actor BAFTA for his depiction. Now, see, this is this is going to be a point of controversy yeah. for any Poirot fans yeah. that, have, that have tuned in because I've not seen the film. Yeah. But from what I gather, it's 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 probably in in the Poirot canon hailed as second only to David Suchet. Most, really? Most people say it's a, it's a great... It's oh, a, no. Or at the very least, it's a good film. It's a good film. And then I, I had a conversation with you where you are like, it's absolutely dreadful. Mm. It's absolutely dreadful. A dreadful performance. It is. From Finney. Look, look, a great, I, a great I actor. love Albert Finney. Oh, Saturday Night, Sunday morning. Yeah, so oh. many good films, so many good roles, but... He's not. He's not Poirot. It's an. It's an odd. It's an odd choice if you yeah. think about it. It would be like now. It's the equivalent because Albert Finney was like the angry young man yeah. of the sixties, very British. It would be like casting Jack O'Connell <laughs> as as Poirot. And like I suppose before we hadn't really had anything proper of Poirot on screen before, so there was no like com, com, is that anything to compare it to. You hadn't had anything proper of Poirot. No, no. proper Poirot. <laughs> proper. Yeah, any proper Poirot. And, but. I, I, again, my mum is a huge Agatha Christie fan. Yeah. She she reads all re, she's read all the novels. Yeah. She hates the Finney version. Wow. Um, and so I suppose I've just I I go along with whatever my mum says. But do you know um, what though? I I've not seen that film, but I feel like I would enjoy it. Albert. Finney, oh yeah. Albert I mean, Finney, not notwithstanding, because I like films mm. where there's lots of famous oh, people we'll in them. Get onto that now. Because because I find it easier to pay attention. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. So if it's just a bunch of people talking in a room, yeah. um, I don't care. But if it's like loads of actors, if it's like yeah. George Clooney and Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts Brilliant. talking, I'm like, I know who all of those are. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm more engaged. Which is why Ocean's Eleven is objectively the greatest movie ever made. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, it's, it's really good. It's, it's a great film. Um, so if you didn't know, the film slash story features Poirot, who is asked to investigate the murder of an American business tycoon aboard the Orient Express train. It's like the ultimate Poirot novel hence why they always start with that whenever as we've said before we talked about this before yeah it's always murder on the Orient express and then then death on death yeah. on the nile again if <laughs> there's, you... there's been a death where on the nile we're at the point now almost at 100 episodes quoting we're, ourselves we're, and we just we just like go got no more material just recite our funny jokes from <laughs> uh from flashback episode. four years ago yeah um so the suspects are betrayed by an all-star cast so this is a really yeah great example of a hollywood film going oh, right yeah. let's just cast loads of really famous people in I, one film I, I was gonna say why don't they always do this and i know why because it'd be like hideously expensive yeah. but why don't all films just have all the famous people in them? yeah why not <laughs> well why not it does make it more interesting it's yeah. like if there's two people in a room and they're like oh it's this great rising star and this person you've never heard of but if it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, yeah. talking to I don't know Lady Gaga I'd be, I'd be more intrigued up for it, I'd be yeah. like yeah um, so in this film you had Lauren Bacall yeah. Ingrid Bergwin Burgers Sean Connery Connors John Gilgood Vanessa Redgrave Michael York Jacqueline Bissett Anthony Perkins and Wendy Hiller like, what a great cast what that is what a cast that is an all star yeah. I, would, I wouldn't be bored for a single yeah. second there's always two people talking and I know who each of them is <laughs> I'm hooked so up until now Dame Agatha Christie had been quite displeased with uh, some film adaptations of her works made in the 1960s he's, he's about six foot tall and that's a terrible <laughs> accent I don't know why that's like how Agatha Christie talks <laughs> you're joking are you that guy you're Poirot get out I'm Dame Agatha Christie so because a few of them have been a bit crap she was actually unwilling to sell any more film rights by the 70s yeah. Uh, when Nat Cohen, chairman of EMI Films at the time, and producer John Braben attempted to get her approval for this film, they felt it necessary to have Lord, Lord Mountbatten of Burma, you know, Lord Mountbatten. From the Crown. From the Crown. <laughs> What's his name? Greg Wise. And the other one. Isn't it Charles Dance? Charles Dance takes, takes over. Yeah. yeah. I'm, um, I'm picturing Charles Dance. Charles Dance. Uh, it had to get him involved. Um, 
to, and it's Braben's father-in-law, essentially, that's why yeah. he was involved, to help them broach the subject. So in the end, according to the uh, Christie's husband, Max Mallowan, uh, he said, Agatha herself has always been allergic to the adaptation of her books by the cinema, but was persuaded to give a rather grudging appreciation to this one. So she went along with it. Christie's biographer, Gwen Robbins, quoted her as saying, it was well made except for one mistake. Casting Albert Finney. It was Albert Finney. <laughs> Are you joking? As my detective, Hercule Poirot. I wrote that he had the finest moustache in England and he didn't in the film. I thought that was a pity. Why shouldn't he? So her, her annoyance was not the acting, but the tash. Thank God she didn't live to see Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. <laughs> <She'd> <laughs> hell. Been, if she wasn't already dead, that would, have, that would have finished her off. Uh, cast members eagerly accepted upon first being approached. Uh, Lume went to Sean Connery first, who admitted that he had been stupidly flattered by Lume saying that if you get the biggest star the rest will come along so they went to Sean first but the, do you think they went to everyone and was like look you're the first you're, you're the first <laughs> you're the biggest star we need you to get, yeah. to get all the other people on board uh, Christie who died 14 months after the release of the film stated that this and the film of Witness for the Prosecution were the only movie adaptations of her books that she liked I mean she never got to see Sally never got to see Suchet never got to see <sighs> Ustinov but uh, yeah, she she quite liked this in the end. So at least at least there's that. So let's have a trailer of the Finny era, shall we? Finniverse. Imagine now if they did like Enter the Poirotverse, and it was like Finny, <laughs> you snuff and Suchet, <laughs> and, they, and they and they all teamed up. Yeah, oh, I'd watch it. I'd watch it. Oh, this is in an HD. You must be fuming. <laughs> <laughs> this is no ordinary train. This is the legendary Orient Express, witness to many strange adventures and foreign intrigues. From Istanbul to Calais. Now, don't, don't get me wrong, but the, the most intriguing thing here is that there's been a murder on the train, not just that it's a, it's a nice train. Oh, yeah. Which seems to be what this trailer is so far hooking this on. It's a great train. So, this is Look a great train. Agatha Christie's brilliant Belgian detective. Uh, Belgians? I always thought you were French. Albert. See, they yeah. always do it every time. This is no ordinary mystery. This is Agatha Christie's most perfect crime murder on the Orient Express. Starring the greatest cast of suspicious characters ever involved in murder. The murderer is with us now. You can identify the murderer? Lauren Bacall. I mean nothing of the kind. I mean there was a man in my compartment last night. Monsieur Martin Balsam. Oh, nice. Thou shall not kill. Ingrid Bergman. Jacqueline Bisset. He makes it sound like a poison. Jean-Pierre Cassel. Monsieur Hercule Poirot. Sean Connery. Nice. How did you know? Beddoes. John Gielgud. Connery's got a, a moustache not unlike Branner's. Yeah. The butler did. Wendy Hiller. You never smile, Madame de My doctor has advised against it. Anthony Perkins. Perko. Seems like I'm kind of incriminating myself. Vanessa Redgrave. Not now. Not now. When it's all over, when Connery, classic. Rachel Roberts. <laughs> and I... Richard Widmark. Show you this. Michael York. Yes. Basil Expedition. Expedition? Basil Expedition? Who's who? Oh dear, I've got that wrong, haven't I? Exposition. Did you think it was Expedition? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I, if I, yeah. It's so over the top. 
Why has he got a hunch? Murder. <laughs> he's limp. On the Express. There you go. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's a good watch. It's worth watching. So uh, next up, it came 1978's Death on the Nile. Death on the Nile. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that took me, that took me longer than it should have done. Which was technically a sequel to Orange Express. It was a sequel to the first film, apparently. But but recast, <clears throat> right? But recast. So totally different actor playing Poirot. And for me, it's the second best Poirot. That is con- that is controversial because I don't think everyone agrees with me on this one. Peter Ustinov mm. um, doesn't doesn't look the part really. No, but I he mean, plays more so, it more so than that. Lancaster Capiz <laughs> with, with with a terrible French accent and no mustache. Yeah, but, but he he plays it well. He does he yeah. does he does it justice. So the film features the Belgian detective alongside an all star sporting cast that oh. includes Maggie Smith, Angela Lansbury, Betty Davis, Mia Farrow, David Niven, George Kennedy, and Jack Warden. Amazing. Another another great cast. Another great cast. Yeah. <laughs> this one takes place in Egypt in 1937, mostly on a period paddle steamer on the Nile. You would hope so. So Albert Finney, mm. he was asked to come back, mm. but he didn't want to undergo the heavy makeup required for Poirot and the Egyptian Sun. Fair. Uh, the producers felt that if they couldn't get a Finney, they should go for a totally different direction, and they picked Pooty Ustinov. It's like Albert Finney made him look quite like Poirot, <laughs> going to take some direction. Someone who looks not- nothing like Poirot. <laughs> but sounds more like him. Right. Uh, Poirot is a character part if there ever was one, said producer Richard God- Goodwin. And Peter is a top character actor. Uh, Christie's daughter, Rosalind Hicks, observed Ustinov during rehearsal and said, that's not Poirot, he isn't at all like that. <laughs> and Ustinov overheard and said, he is now. <laughs> Fair enough, he stuck to his guns. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. fuck you, I'm Peter Ustinov, do what I want. Anyway, here's a trailer for Ustinov's first turn. Poirot. Is this one going to be like the Nile? What a great river! Incident, <laughs> best river. Incidentally, it's seen so much, so many boats. Incidentally, also a death on it. Like you're kind of bearing the lead. Murder. Now, straight to the point. The Fair play. Brilliant detective of all time. Hercule Poirot <laughs> on a mysterious journey down the Nile. The Nile. The great wonders of the world, where the biggest wonder of them all is who done it. <laughs> I feel the presence of evil all about me. Agatha Christie's Death on the Nile. Starring Peter Ustinov. With Peter. the exercise of the little gray cells. And nine yeah. star suspects. Betty Davis. You perfectly foul French upstart. Belgian upstart, please. There you go. Yeah, always. I just want to put this gun right against her head and then ever so gently pull the trigger. Angela Lansbury. You see, I know all. Angela Lansbury has looked the same forever. Oh, yeah. Just putting that out there. Don't know what she's drinking the like blood of virgins or something. Why should I kill Mrs. Doyle? George Kennedy. Oh, I love George Kennedy. Call cool, cool Luke. Jack Warden. So now you think that I? Olivia Hussey. Lois Childs in Agatha Christie's Jackie. In Agatha Christie's Jackie? On the Nile. Death. On the Nile. Everybody could have done it. And everybody had a reason for doing it. Of course. So you think you know, huh? I know. This place is beginning to resemble a mortuary. <laughs> you see, we have been running in the wrong direction, you and I. We know almost all there is to know. Except that what we know seems seems incredible. It's incredible. Preposterous. Outrageous. Anyway, 
We didn't really talk about it at the time, but we all know how Murder on the Orient Express ends, don't we? You're not going to ruin it for people who haven't seen it. But. No, but like, I, like I, my, my girlfriend doesn't know how it ends. Oh. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Is this one of those bits okay. of information? I feel like everyone never read it, never seen it, yeah. just know how it ends. Well, it's like I've still not seen The Mousetrap on the West End. And the whole point of The Mousetrap is you don't tell anyone how it ends. So I have no idea. I have no idea. So how it I ends. look forward to one day seeing it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, what do you think of that? Yeah. Do you know what? I like the look of it. Mm-hmm. Again, I wasn't bored. I was like, who's that? Who's that? David Niven, Angela Lansbury. Great. Yeah. Having a conversation. Great. Yeah. I'll watch it. Uh, so after that, a third film came out in 1982 with Houston returning Evil Under the Sun. Um, so sadly, this wasn't a commercial success at all. <laughs> Grossing just $6 million against its $10 million budget. Oh. Um, but it had a great cast. You know, Jane Birkin and Maggie Smith, different roles. Uh, Wait, the likes of so they came back, back but it's different but roles recast yeah. it's like a repertory company yeah. right. uh, James Mason Diana Rigg Roddy McDowell great cast oh you know I love Roddy McDowell yeah. <laughs> look at him <laughs> he's got a moustache I do not think that formal introductions are necessary oh it's one of those trailers where he talks to you oh, I love Poirot. the I love these kind of trailers Hercule Poirot why is he tucking into like a massive like dessert? He's got loads of like lady fingers lady in, it, in, lady in, fingers. in a trifle. A description with which I find it. I don't think Pryor would eat that. No. I, but even I'd like to see though, I'd like to see um, Hercule Poirot in the 1970s yeah. meeting a punk band called Ladyfingers. I used to my on an Adriatic island so remote as to be unknown even to the guide Michelin. I hope you haven't come here to practice your sleuthing games on my guests. They've all got far too many skeletons in their cupboards. Maggie Smith, she's back. my wife. That's all there is to it. Till death do you part. Even in those days, she could always throw her legs up in the air higher than any of us. <laughs> and wider. All right. <laughs> this was the early 80s. Patrick. Aren't you getting a little tired of rowing? I'm so sorry. Are we late? Patrick insisted upon rowing me right around the island as much bigger than you thought. Poor darling, he's absolutely exhausted. Not in the least surprised. Saucy. Yeah. Right, come on, let's go on to the crime. Ah, she's been murdered. <laughs> she's been murdered. <laughs> she's been murdered. Oh. Give it to me. <laughs> you know what I'm most sick of in this place? What, madame? Pity. I can't bear to be pitied. Oh, my. I'm the last to arrive. I'm sorry, sir. How should we promote this it's film? It's a series of unconnected scenes. Yeah, it's not the best trailer in the world, I've got to say. You strangled her. That is poppycock! That is poppycock! That is poppycock! A bathing cap, a bath, a bottle, a wristwatch, the diamond, the noonday gun, the breath of the sea... And the height of the cliff. Uh, so Ustinov stayed in the role. Uh, he made, um, even after that, wasn't much of a success. He came back for three made-for-TV films, which I didn't know existed. Um, so he did those two big big films. Yeah. And he did three films on telly. 1985's 13 at Dinner, which also starred Bill Nye, Faye Dunaway, and a certain David Suchet as Inspector Jap. Would you believe? I, I wonder whatever happened to him. Yeah. Uh, 1986's Murder in Three Acts, which also starred Tony Curtis. Oh. And uh, 1986 as well, uh, Dead Man's Folly, which didn't really have anyone. Uh, he then returned again one more time, this time in 1988 with the actual feature film, Appointment with Death. So he did another proper film, also starring Lauren Bacall, Carrie Fisher, John Gilgood, and David Soule. 
David, Sol. Starsky or Hutch. Yeah, one of them. Um, so, yeah. Oh, so he, he did a lot more. He, he believed in the role, you snob. He and went for it. I like, I like that he, he stuck to his guns. He proved that, do you know what? That is what Poirot is like now. Yeah. He kind of, yeah. And, and also, he went out on a high. Yeah. They were like, right, we need an all-star cast again. David Sol, that'll do. Yeah, yeah. So, a year later after that, though, after Ustinov's final turn as Poirot, uh, saw the finest version of the detective. I don't think anyone could disagree with that, really. As David Suchet took on the role in a new series for ITV called, simply, Agatha Christie's Poirot. Only a year later? Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Like, in 1989, that's when it started. Uh, the programme in the end ran for 13 series and 70 episodes in total. Each episode was adapted from a novel or short story that featured Poirot. As the programme's conclusion, which finished uh, with Curtain, Poirot's Last Case, which is based on the 1975 novel Curtain, uh, every, ma- every single major literary work by Christie that featured Poirot had been adapted. Did them all. So that is amazing. They did every single one. Um which is what uh, Suchet always wanted. <laughs> so, uh, let's have a burst of the show's intro with the brilliant music uh, from Christopher Gunning. Oh, come on. It was either this or Touch of Frost. Do you know what? I was just thinking, this yeah. is great, but it also is it's just Touch of Frost. Yeah. Never seen an episode of Touch of Frost. Really? But you, you, it used to come on, on probably on ITV3, watch the title sequence, which is incredible. Yeah. David Jason yeah. closes the, the cell door, a little yeah. smirk, and then I turn over. Oh, yeah. well, you've seen the best bit. Now, this is, this is fine for uh, a TV show made in 1989. This wasn't the title sequence, surely, in like 2000 and... No, it did change over the yeah. years, yeah. It stayed for quite a while, though. Jazzy. Ah, Very nice. So uh, Suchet was recommended for the part by Christie's family, who had seen him appear as Blot in the TV adaptation of Tom Sharp's Blot on the Landscape. Not one I'm familiar with. No, not, probably not future episode fodder. Uh, Suchet, a method actor, said that he prepared for the part by reading all of the Poirot novels and every short story and copying out every piece of description about the character. Now that is that is impressive yeah. research. I'm not really sure that's method. I feel like to be method, you'd have to like <laughs> become the character, live as a Belgian detective, grow a mustache, and like solve a murder. <laughs> that would be that would be method. Lackluster. He uh, he later told the Strand magazine, "What I did was I had the." F- <laughs> What? So, David, how did you prepare for this? So, what I did was... Um, <laughs> so it says here. What I did was, I had my file on one side of me and a pile of stories on the other side, and a day and day after day, week after week, I ploughed through most of Agatha Christie's novels about her Poirot and wrote down characteristics until I had a file full of documentation of the character. And then it was my business not only to know what he was like, but to gradually become him. All right. I had to become him before we started shooting. Um, during the film of the first series, Suchet almost left the production during an argument with the director, insisting that Poirot's odd mannerisms, in this case putting a handkerchief down before sitting on a bench, be featured. He later said, there's no question that Poirot is obsessive-compulsive. So he, he would come up with these little mannerisms and the director's like, oh, don't do that. What are you doing? That wasn't written. Fuck you, I know what I'm doing. I'm Poirot. <laughs> According to many critics and enthusiasts, Suchet's characterization is considered to be the most accurate interpretation of all the actors to have played Poirot and it's the closest to the character in the books. 
I mean, it's not got a lot of competition. I mean, if, it's, really. if it's if it's, it's Pete, just if, if, if it's Finney, if it's if it's that that tall bloke, yeah. Albert Finney, yeah. hamming it up, or Peter Usenov tucking into his lady fingers. Yeah. I mean, it's but don't get me wrong. Very, very, very good. Very good. In 2013, Suchet revealed that the Christie's daughter, Rosalind Hicks, had told him that she was sure Christie would have approved of his performance. In 2007, Suchet spoke of his desire to film the remaining stories in the canon and hoped to achieve this before his 65th birthday in May 2011. And despite speculation of cancellation, earlier in 2011, it was announced later that year the remaining books would be ad- adapted, adapted? <laughs> the remaining books would be adapted into a 13th series to be filmed in 2012. Uh, the remaining books were finally adapted in 2013 into five episodes from which Curtin aired in November. And the 2013 television special Being Poirot centred on Suchet's characterization and his emotional final episode. And I interviewed David Suchet. Yeah, for, for, for the final series of Poirot. Oh. Um, got to talk to him about the fact that he was, he was leaving the role after so long. And I remember he, he said it was like saying goodbye to a dear old friend. Yeah. Um, had never seen an episode of Poirot. <laughs> But you know, I don't tell him that. But, but it's one of the, it's one of those things though, where it's like I don't feel like you almost need to have seen it. It's because it's such a part of like when you've been doing it for like twenty years or whatever, like yeah. he had been doing, or or yeah, about, about thirty. It becomes such a part of it's like yeah, like obviously I can talk about like Sherlock Holmes to someone because you just you just know it, even if you've yeah. never like set, actually sat down and watched an yeah. episode. Yeah. Um. So let's just have a little burst of it's like a trailer so just to get a little taste of David Suchet in the role. Mesdames, Messieurs, I give to you Hercule Poirot. <laughs> he is the greatest detective in the world. <laughs> I will visit the scene of the crime. This is not one of your detective fictions. We must deal here only with the truth. Who can have done these dreadful things? <laughs> Poirot will discover all manner. So you know who the murderer is? It is unwise to conceal matters from Poirot. Referring to himself there in the air. Uh... <laughs> I like we just watched that in dead dead silence because it was just oh, uh, rever- reverence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh so there we go. And then in um 2017, Murder on the Yellow Express made yet again. Uh yeah. this time with Kenneth Branagh as a detective, which he also directed. You said Kenneth Branagh. Branagh. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Well, Kenneth Branning, like in <laughs> EastEnders. He's the long-lost uh, Ken Branning, the long-lost... Yeah. They had a pretty decent cast, though. It also starred Penelope Cruz, Willem Dafoe, Judy Dench, Johnny Depp, Josh Gad, Derek Jacobi, Leslie Odom Jr., Michelle Pfeiffer and Daisy Ridley. I feel like they they know that. It's yeah. like, if you're doing... You're going to do it. In particular, to, yeah. Murder on the Express, you've got to get the all-star cast. Uh, not sure about his Tash, but overall, yeah. it was a good adaptation, I'd say. You know, surely everyone by now knows how it ends. Well, apparently not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and a sequel is on the way, and as you say, it is death on it. And at the very end of Murder on Express, he, he kind of gets a phone call, and he's like, yeah. "There's Hercule, <laughs> we need you. Bye. It's been a death. Where on the Nile?" And then it goes. It's like almost might as well say Hercule Poirot will return. In, yeah. yeah, he was murdered. God, murder here. God rest his soul. Someone was rummaging around my cabin in the middle of the night. No one would listen to me. If there was a murderer... What is going on? Then there was a murderer. The murderer is with us. And every one of you is a suspect. And who are you? My name is Hercule Poirot. 
And I'm probably the greatest detective in the world. So, other adaptations of a prior, just a couple of uh, other mentions. Hugh Laurie played him in Spice World. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. So, so, I've never seen Spice World, you know, stri- yeah. strike me down. Um, does Hugh Laurie plays the character Poirot. Yeah. Let's just load it up now for you. All right. Right. Because you got this dead cute little smile, so you can get away with anything. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. For horrible moments perpetrated by the same ruthless psychopaths, each victim. I have no idea what's going on here. It's a flashback in Spice World. That's all you need yeah. to know. But who is it? A professor Schutzman? Was this a film? Like, oh, yeah, Spice World, the film. No, I know, but like, it looks like it was like a comic relief sketch. It, it is a glorified comic relief sketch, yeah. Why is the quality? It doesn't sound like you, but why is it the quality so bad? Is... <laughs> I mean, saying that, I'd love to watch Hugh Laurie play Poirot. If he did it, as a full length thing. Again, he's too, he's too lanky. And then in 2001, a somewhat dodgy adaptation of Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, oh, say that fucking game, come on, mate. <laughs> fucking hell, come on, mine. And in 2001, a somewhat dodgy adaptation of Murder on the Orient Express was released on US TV, this time with Alfred Molina. He's, I mean, that's good casting, though, right? I guess so. I guess so. One other scenario. Perhaps not as believable at first glance, perhaps too fanciful to be accepted. Would you like to hear it? Well, uh, sure. I guess. Good. Please resume your seat. This new scenario rests on the assumption that everything I've just said was a lie. That this phantom conductor never really existed at all. He looks that pretty he was good. Created solely mm. to provide Why is he so trendy? <laughs> he doesn't look a trendy prior. Melina is just cool, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. I'll tell you, my friend, and you and the others will judge. As I said, certain questions have yet to be answered, but I am struck by the fact that several passengers on this train seemingly had close relationships with But this the has the vibe. Do you remember the Kelsey Grammer Scrooge that they did on a US TV? Dreadful. It has that vibe. No other famous people in it. No. Not just Mr. McQueen. Who knew the late Mrs. Armstrong? Anyway, got, 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 got the idea of it. Uh, and then uh, 2018 saw the BBC's ABC Murders, starring John Malkovich of all people. Um, had de- I didn't watch it, but it had decent reviews. I watched it. Uh, um, yeah. So you watched that? You have not seen any of the David Suchets, but you've seen that. It, well, yeah, it was on at Christmas. I watched any old shit at Christmas. And my mum wasn't impressed. Well, <laughs> it was very much like dark and gritty uh, which like did he have a tash he had a, he had a goatee because because uh, no, apparently no one has a tash like a tash is not gritty is it so uh yeah and but i w- i was worried about malkovich because i was like is he gonna yeah. is he gonna do a do a malkovich it was actually it was okay. actually all right yeah it wasn't you know it wasn't a, a bundle of fun do you know who was good in it mm? weirdly rupert grint playing oh. playing jap really good that's good to know yeah, yeah. Well, that's about it, though, then, for our journey through the history of Poirot. And uh, like Sherlock, it shows just how much staying power he has, considering that he's still going strong today with Death on the Nile coming out next year, as we record this. Starring actual human cannibal, Army Hammer. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, I think he had too serious a role to just sort of wipe him out in the film. So it was like, let's just sort of, let's just hope that by then it's sort of boiled over as it were Boil, boiled over like 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 the limbs like, of his victims that he's cooking on a pot like his pot anyway uh thoughts do you know what i i i think we've talked about this before i like <laughs> i was gonna say i like things that are big um when when there's a a, a film franchise or, yeah. or a tv show and there's like 
loads of it. Yeah. I almost see it like a challenge. Yeah. Like, oh, I'd love to just like binge all of it. Yeah. And I feel a bit like with um, Suchet's Poirot in particular, yeah. I feel like one day I will get the box set or if it's on Box or something, like I'm already paying £5 a month just to watch classic Doctor Who. I might as well make the most of it. Yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to sit down and watch from the first episode all the way all the way through to current. Yeah. So so yeah, no. Um, yeah, I, 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 no. I'm intrigued. Yeah. And it's worth watching the Houston of films, I think. And even the Finney film for a laugh, you know, it's, it's worth watching. It's good car. Sean Connery and anything, you know, have a good time. So that is it. Thanks for listening. Uh, for more claptrap about random subjects ranging from anything from the Sega Mega Drive to Animals of Farthingwood, then uh, head to twogeeks2beers.com or subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We're pretty much everywhere now. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Global Player, all sorts sorted. Yeah. If you're if you're an Agatha Christie fan or like a, a, a Poirot fan who's yeah. just tuned into this podcast and you want to hear another episode about the Sega Mega Drive, <laughs> we, we've we've got you covered. Look, we've got range, range, uh, and please let us know how you like to listen and where and when. We'd love to know. Uh, and and also, I need to mention yet again, we are soon going to be recording our hundredth episode, Very and soon. we want as much correspondence as humanly possible, even if we only have. Three, we just want any kind of communication between you and we just, us. We just want human just, contact, just man. Just let us know, give us any questions you want about uh, how we record the show, any opinions you want us to give opinions on, on any kind of geek culture, anything whatsoever, any kind of memories or stories you've got about stuff we've talked about in the past, literally anything. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> literally anything. And we'll build a whole show around it. Uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. So please do contact us. You can email us at podcast at twogeeks2beers.com. That's T-W-O each time uh, or on our social channels which is at Two Geeks Cast Twitter, Facebook and Instagram yes and you can also support the show by becoming a patron patreon.com slash Two Geeks Cast there's all kinds of all kinds of tiers there yeah. uh, depending on how much you pay uh, you can uh, support us in, in, in different ways uh, and you get all, all kinds of good stuff like even, even the most basic level you get uh, little preview clips and exclusive Patreon only mini-sodes and yeah. outtakes such a good offering um, but if you pay a little bit more you get an exclusive uh, mini-sode that's just for you on a topic of your choosing a little bit more you get a full-length episode uh, that is exclusive to you again on a, on a topic whatever you want us to talk about within reason keep yeah. it keep it geek culture based ideally um, and everything uh, any money you donate goes back into uh, our recording sessions and paying for our equipment and supporting the podcast well, that is it for now. We'll be back next time, perhaps with a Christmas special Ooh. about a certain one-off TV series from the 80s. Yeah. So we'll let you use your detective skills to see if you can guess what that is. So for now, uh, au revoir. That's not Belgian, <laughs> it's French. <laughs> sorry, Hercule, sorry. So we didn't rank the Praros. We did not rank the Paros. But you know what we could do? Rank the Praros? Rank the Tashes. <laughs> oh. So we've got, I'm going to only do four. Mm. Okay. So we've got Finney, yep. Ustinov, Suchet, and Branagh. Branagh. <laughs> yeah. So what's your what order of your favorite Tashes of the four? So who we got again? So memory. Fin- we've got Finney, Finney Ustinov, Ustinov, Suchet, Suchet. Branagh. Well, it depends what you mean. So. It, let's go for Tasha's you would like to sport. All right. All right. I, well, in that case, 
Finney, there's not a lot in it between um, Finney mm. and Suchet. No, they're quite similar. Quite similar. Suchet's very well coiffed, but small. Mm. I don't want that 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 Brannig nonsense anywhere near yeah. my face, let yeah. alone on my face. Yeah. So I think it's used enough. I think it's used enough. It feels it feels sort of neat and t- yeah. the neatest, the tidiest, yeah. the least offensive. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if I was gonna tuck into some lady fingers. <laughs> That's probably it. Wouldn't get that is a dessert, by the way. If you don't know what that is, it wouldn't. It wouldn't get yeah. Like like people like in America, like it's yeah. I feel like that wouldn't get in. That that wouldn't get in the way. The fuzz. If I was tucking into some lady fingers, (laughs) that face fuzz would not would not get in the way. What about you? Uh, I I, I probably have to go for Suchet just for the the coughness of it all. It's very like well kept together. Yeah, and you get a little comb out and a little pair of scissors. If I mean, I'll be honest, mate. If you had that (laughs) mustache. We should have recorded today where it were fake mustaches so we could have yeah, filmed it. You would I mean but I mean like you would be a dead ringer for <laughs> you've already you've already got the height. And then yeah. Just get a few more beers and I'll have the same <laughs> You'll have the limp. The, 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 the portly the, belly. And the hunch. Yeah. <laughs> anyway.